0: I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. It's such a perfect example. If we we look back at at Genesis 11 and we look at, at that promise that God made. God made a promise to Abraham and, and he said, through you, all of the nations of the earth would be blessed. And you've heard me mention before this idea of, of being blessed to be a blessing. And that is very much what, what these ministries, this is very much what the food ministry, this is very much the heart of Wood Street Chapel, is that we are, have been blessed. And because we have been blessed, we have an opportunity to be a blessing to be a blessing in tangible ways, to be a blessing in phys- to meet physical needs, and through that, sharing the love of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time, Lord. We ask that you would speak to your people, that you would speak to your people in new, fresh ways. God, that you would change lives, you would change hearts and minds, you would shape, mold, and create who you would have us be. Lord, we ask that it would be your words that are heard this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today we are continuing our series on on getting back to basics. And I want to, before we go too far into it, just make sure that we are clear and understanding the value of coming back to basics. Sometimes there is this temptation to look at at something that is review something that maybe you have heard of before and say well i've heard that before and because i've heard that before this doesn't really apply to me i i know the the answers to the test already so i don't need to to participate i don't need to be a part of this what i can say is as i am going through and and studying these areas as I am going through and looking at what it means to to this morning be a worshipper there are reminders that bring me back that that ground me in truth and first peter it says you are a chosen people You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. You are a royal priesthood, and you are that. You have been chosen for a purpose. That should be encouraging. You have been chosen to do something. You haven't just been chosen to go out and just see how it works. You have been chosen that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Is he worthy? If we define the word worship, we've done this before. What what is the word worship means? And it, it has these two two uh parts of the word that come together. Worship. If we look at worship, that were is worth, is value, quality. If you look at that. That suffix, the, the, the ship, S-H-I-P, we, we see that at the end of friendship. We see that at the end of, of words like sportsmanship. It's the quality of being a friend. It's the quality of being a good sport. And so if we look at the word worship, it is the quality of having value. The quality of having worth or being worthy. When we come to this place and we lift our arms and we sing together, we're worshiping, saying today quite literally that he is worthy. If you look at the different Hebrew and Greek translations of the, the word worship in, in the word of God, we see that a very interesting phenomenon and that is that half the time it's, it's translated in, in the way that we just talked about. This idea of, of ascribing value and worth. The other half of the time it's referencing service. And so that, that maybe indicates something that could potentially be a little uncomfortable. It means that it's not enough just to sing a song. It's not enough for me just to be up here saying the words. It's not enough for me just to proclaim it. I'm supposed to live a life of worship. The actions that take place that come from my being are supposed to be an act of worship. I praise, I lift up my hands, I I lift up my voice and sing to God. I receive instruction from God, and from that instruction, I live a life of praise. If we look back at, at the Old Testament, we see example after example, starting in the book of Genesis, where, where worship was demonstrated. We see it with Cain and Abel at, at the very beginning. Cain and Abel are, are worshiping. They're setting up an altar. They're presenting a sacrifice to God. They're bringing what they're supposed to be bringing is their first fruits, their best. Fast forward to Noah. Noah comes out of the the ark after it has landed on dry land and and God has put up his rainbow saying that he will, will never destroy the earth again with a flood. And the way Noah thanks God for his faithfulness is he builds an altar and he worships and he praises God we look at Abraham, Abraham is uh, told to go out into the wilderness and and he's told to sacrifice his son Isaac, something that we cannot even begin to imagine what that feels like or looks like. And through that test, through that challenge that that God puts to Abraham and, and ultimately rescues Isaac and replaces Isaac with a ram that can be sacrificed praise and worship takes place because of God's faithfulness. If we look at Jacob, Jacob sets up an altar after having an encounter with God, after he struggles with God and he he demands of the angel of the Lord after wrestling with him for an entire night, I will not let you go until you bless me. And the angel of the Lord blesses Jacob and and Jacob sets up an altar in that place and he says, this is where where God touched me. This is where God blessed me. And what we see in these examples, if we look at the word of God, we see that there is not really any instruction at all that has been given other than two points. The, The first is that God demands our very best. The second is that God will be the only one to be worshiped. Other than those two requirements, we see altars being built all over the place. God helped us cross this river. Let's build an altar. God showed up in a miraculous way in this particular point in my life. Let's build an altar. There was very little instruction that was given. And then we we fast forward to uh, Moses and the the people of Israel out in the wilderness. And if you've read through the Bible and you start looking at at Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, you look at, at those books and you see that we went from not having really a whole lot of instruction on how to worship God to now there is a lot of instruction on how to worship God. Like this is the length that your pants should be when you watch come in to worship God type of instruction. <laughs> what changed? What changed during that time? God had chosen a people. God had, had chosen for himself, had set aside for himself a people like we read just, just now in 1 Peter, a royal priesthood a holy nation that has been set apart. And that's what Israel was to start. And not only did he choose for himself a holy nation, he chose for himself a nation that he would come and dwell amongst. He gave very specific instruction on how to create, how to construct the tabernacle, the tent of of meeting, the tent where his presence, his glory could be. But if he was going to be amongst his people, there had to be very specific instruction on how his people could approach him. Because if if everybody just walked up to God in the, in the midst of the tabernacle without this instruction, his people would be no more. They would all just die. God designated holy places. He designated holy times, holy animals, holy vegetables. He, he had like holy pieces of bread that, that needed to be involved, holy buckets of oil that were involved, all of these different processes of how to bring glory and honor and praise to the king who was worthy. And if you look at the instruction, if you you sit down and you try to read it, I mean, there were people whose entire job was dedicated to knowing how to do it. And it feels so overwhelming, but it goes to show just how far God will go to be with his people. Sin separates us from God. When Adam and Eve made the choice to to partake of the fruit that they had been commanded not to partake of, it separated. But God so loved the world that he made ways for his children to be with him. In Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, it says, Hear, O Israel, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. These commandments I give to you today, they are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home. And when you walk along on the road, when you lie down, when you get up at every moment of the day, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your house and on your gate. This is supposed to be a part of your life, that you are to worship the Lord, your God, as one. This command has not changed. We move forward now from the the time of Moses in the wilderness to now we we have David. And I know I I talked about David. David is a worshiper. And he initiates the the construction of the temple and, and he prepares the way for his son Solomon to complete that process. And David incorporates music into worship. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Psalm 150 says, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet, with the the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing, and praise him with strings and with pipes, and praise him with the clash of cymbals, with the resounding of cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. That command has not changed. After the destruction of the temple, worship moved away from being focused on music and being focused on the, the sacrifices and the, the processes that, that they were called to, to participate in. And it moved to this focus of, of reading Scripture. And just like we did last week when we, we came and, and I wasn't necessarily able to play the piano super well. and So we, we stopped for a moment, we read the word of God and we said, this is, this is an act of worship. This is proclaiming God's truth amongst the people. And when we, we think of that time, the, the point in scripture that always comes to mind for me is when Ezra comes to the people and, and everyone has, has kind of fallen away from what it means to be a, a follower of God. And they've all fallen away of, from what it means to be that chosen people. They just don't know. Time after time after time, they have, have stepped away from that inheritance, stepped away from being chosen. Church, do you know you have to choose to be chosen? Chosen. They have, have stepped away from being chosen people. And all of a sudden they, they find what was lost. They find the, the book of the law. It's probably the, the first five books of the Bible. that They find the, the, the book of the law. And Ezra gets up on a platform and he plops this book of the lost, probably scroll, it's not a book, but they, they, they plop this stuff down on this platform and, and I just envision this entire city looking at Ezra, weeping, as they start to understand what it is that they have missed, as they start to recognize the fact that they are a chosen people. And as one the people bowed down and they praise God. All I did was worship. All I did was bow down. All I did was stay still. Jesus participates in, in sacrificing Passover lambs. Jesus participates in the reading of Scripture in the synagogues. And there's one very specific point that we're going to look at in, in the ministry of Jesus in John 4. It is a point that if you have been in the church for any period of time, you've heard about. If you've been coming to Wood Street Chapel for any period of time, you've probably heard about. There's a woman at a well. A woman who is coming to the well in the heat of the the day when normally everyone would would come to the well during the morning when it wouldn't be warm, but she wasn't welcome. She wasn't welcome because of the things that existed in her past. She wasn't welcome because of the choices that she had made. She wasn't welcome because of who she was. See, she was a Samaritan woman, so that was a mark against her. She was a woman, and that was a mark against her. She was a woman who wasn't married to the man she was living with, and that was a mark against her. She was a a woman who had been divorced multiple times, and that was a mark against her. And and sometimes it's easy for us to look at Scripture, and it's easy for us to look at this example of this woman, and, and kind of shake our finger at her and say, what, what a mess. But Jesus went to the well. He goes to the well in the, the heat of the, the afternoon as the Samaritan woman comes. And Jesus, a, a Jewish man, asks the Samaritan woman for a drink of water. You want to drink from me? Don't you know who I am? Maybe some of you have had this conversation. Don't you know what I've done? If you knew the, the choices that I have made in my life, you wouldn't, you wouldn't even want to be seen with me. You wouldn't even want to to ask me for this drink of water. You wouldn't put your mouth on the same thing that I've put my mouth on. And through the course of conversation, the Samaritan woman laments that she has has been separated in all of these different ways from the world around her. She has been separated from the world around her because she's a a Samaritan. She's been separated from the world around her because she's a woman. She's been separated because she's living in adultery. She's been separated from the world because she is dealing with divorce in her life and culturally in that time, that was a problem God says, those things may have separated you. But Jesus says, I came here to see you. And there may be separation that exists because you're a Samaritan. You can't go into Jerusalem and worship at the temple. You are not able to, to worship here on this mountain. He says, woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know that the Messiah called the Christ is coming, and when he comes, he will explain everything. And Jesus said, I, the one who speak to you, am he. What is God looking for? He is looking for worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. It is not a matter of of following the formula, of just saying the right words. It is a matter of having the worship, the words that we say be a reflection of our hearts, be a reflection of the, the words that I'm saying out in the world God does not desire worship in any legalistic way. He desires our entire beings to cry out to their creator with a deep longing and desire to know and to be close to him. I've shared my testimony before and, and I'm going to do it in a, a short way this morning. I started playing the piano close to, my goodness, I don't know, 30 years ago, maybe 28 years ago. I was just doing it because that's the, the thing that my parents decided was a good thing for me to do. <laughs> We went to a, a piano recital for Oliver yesterday and it, it brought back a lot of memories of, of those times where it's just a ding, 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 ding. Uh, and I love the performance. One of the things that, that I excelled in when I, when I was playing the piano at that time was that I was able to, to portray emotion when I would play. As I as I grew up in it. And as I grew up in that particular talent, I I started losing interest. I lost interest in the practice time and and the time that I spent with my instructor and and thankfully my parents recognized that 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 was going to be something that was going to eventually die out and they moved me from that particular instructor to begin taking lessons from our our worship leader's wife who started teaching me what it meant to to lead worship, how, how I could play the piano on a Sunday morning and people would be able to sing I'd I'd never thought about doing that before. That was never something that fit with the way that I played piano. And and I eventually began leading worship for children's ministries. That's that's always a safe place to start. (laughs) And at the time, I really didn't understand what worship was. I don't think I really knew what it meant. I I knew that, that I was able to participate in something that was bringing people together. And as, as time went on, I started leading worship on Sunday mornings. I started leading worship in youth groups and I, and I began to step into the role of, of being a worship leader. And the, the love of the performance started to get in the way. the the love of the performance started to take a a front seat. It started to become the focus. It it, it became less a matter of I'm here to bring a sacrifice of praise and it became more how can I, I create a show that will bring people to me. This went on for Maybe a period of a year, two years, until I, I went to a senior high camp, a church camp at Old Oak Ranch, and, and the, the speaker was talking about what it meant to to lay down our pride and and what it meant to to lay down the the things that were getting in the way of, of God using us completely and and I I went forward and I didn't know what God wanted to to have from me and I said God whatever whatever thing it is you can have it whatever thing that I am holding back you can have and and I heard the Holy Spirit talk to me and say you know I want your your musicality. I, I want your your talent in this area, and if, well, God, you already have that. Whatever else you you need, whatever else you desire from me, whatever else I can give, I I, I want to make it available. But Matt, I want your your talent. And, and I kept on hanging on to those things and, until, in the middle of, of praying, my hands stopped working. They, they seized up to the point that I could not let go of a fist. As a high school student, that can be a little startling. And it wasn't until I was able to say, God, I, I surrender. My pride. I laid down what it, what it means to, to be up on a stage. God, it's not about me. It's not about the, the things that, that people think when they see me. It's not about how well I can sing a song. Literally, God, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And in the midst of that surrender, my hands... <laughs> open up and, and we come home and, and we come back to everyday life. Every day is not a day at camp. And it, it's at that point that you start to recognize that, that leading worship, leading in general, is leading by example. Even after this time in my life, it is a regular struggle. It is a regular act of surrender to lay down my pride. To bring God the, the praise and the glory and the honor that he deserves on a Sunday morning. I want so badly So badly to bring him the best. But all too often, <laughs> all too often, it feels like maybe that offering's smoldering just a little bit. I want to be the living sacrifice. I want to be the living sacrifice that I have been called to be, but so often I find myself running away. (laughs) I don't pray the way that I want to. I don't have the amount of faith that I wish I had. I don't sing the way I want to. I don't play the piano the way that I wish I could. All of the things that that I try to do seem to come up short. And the beautiful thing, church, the beautiful thing is that when you come to this point, when you come to the point of recognizing that everything that I do is not worth a thing, all of my best efforts amount to nothing, we see that all of these things are being accomplished in our lives the same way God accomplishes everything else through Jesus. Jesus takes my imperfect prayers and he brings them to the Father and he makes them perfect. Jesus takes what little faith I have and he grows it to accomplish the works that he has planned in my life. Jesus knows all of the words to the songs of my heart. He gave himself as the most perfect sacrifice. He gave his life as an act of worship. He is our perfect substitute. When all we can bring is imperfection, This morning we have looked back from the beginning of time. We have looked back from the beginning of time at Adam and Eve and and Cain and Abel and we've gone through to Abraham and to Moses and to David and through the entire word of God we see that the blood of Jesus Christ has made a way, has made a way for a chosen people A royal priesthood to declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into a wonderful light. Heavenly Father, we come this morning and we proclaim praise. We proclaim glory and honor and power to the name above all names. Lord God, we are coming back to basics. We are are coming this morning and recognizing that this is so much more than a song. This is so much more than a 15-minute bout of singing the songs that we like to sing. This is about a life of worship. A life that reflects who you are. God, this morning we come and we recognize that we are a chosen people, that you have have hand-picked us from the beginning of time. He said, I know Matt. I know the, the things that he is going to do. I know the mistakes that he is going to make. I know the areas that he is going to stumble. I know where he is going to be imperfect. And in the midst of that, I am going to send my son, Jesus Christ, and his blood is going to make him perfect in my sight. And God, because of that, I come this morning and proclaim praise. Hallelujah, Lord. So much better are your ways. God, we thank you for this time, Lord. We ask that you would not let us leave here the same